to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. 1A is designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church, and I'm Josh Adair, the intern for biblical counseling. Today's episode marks the sixth in our series discussing suicide. Today, we discuss three Ps which caretakers need to think about as they consider their own care of a loved one struggling with suicidal thinking. If you have any comments about our show or a question about something you hear on this episode, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can find all of our contact info on our website at firstpresscolumbia.org. If you'd like to stay aware of new episodes, you can download our app by searching for First Presbyterian Church of Columbia SC in the App Store of your choice. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. Let's get to the conversation. Well, welcome back to 1A. We are continuing to talk about our topic of suicide. And with me, as always, is Josh Adair. Josh, thanks for being with me. It's good to be here with you, Josh. Thanks so much again for talking about this difficult subject together. Absolutely. Once again, we just want to give you that warning that if this is an issue that you have struggled with or a loved one has struggled with or that has impacted you deeply, that this may be a topic and a recording that you want to take time to listen to, listen to in a way that doesn't put you on the road or doing anything that might be dangerous to you or somebody else, because you just never know when we bring up a topic in this arena that might cause some pretty intense feelings. Absolutely. But that does bring us into our episode for today, Josh. You know, last time we talked about how how do we begin to think about this issue of suicide mm-hmm. from the perspective of a caretaker. Right. And I thought there were just one or two touch points that we could continue to have a conversation about caretakers and how do we care for the caretakers, if you will, yeah. in this season of someone who's struggling with that. And an analogy I've often heard you use in terms of how to actually care for folks is, is the three Ps. Yes. People, prayer, and presence. Yeah. And so how do you begin to walk through those three support structures for someone who's a caretaker of someone who's struggling with suicidal ideation who's in front of you and and looking for some help. Yeah, and this is one of those places where caretakers are under some of the most intense of stress and strain is when they are taking care of for a long time people who consistently have suicidal ideation because you're always afraid that that particular ghost is going to come out at any particular time and it can really be wearisome to Mm -hmm. you. And so having these three support structures in place can help to balance that load a little bit. It's not as if you won't feel it. It's not as if this won't be a stressful thing for you, but instead of it being overwhelming and shutting you down, it can Mm. be something that other people can walk into with you mm-hmm. and you can help make it through in a burden bearing sort of way. Yeah. So people, par- prayer and presence are my three crisis P's. So I teach chaplains this particular rubric at times. If someone calls you at 2 a.m. and they've got some particular crisis, what are you going to do when it's these three people, prayer and presence? So let's talk about people. Sure. You want as a caretaker, taker to have people in this with you. Absolutely. One of the biggest myths that we talked about last time was you're not supposed to be an island, but because of the nature of this struggle, yeah. there's so much shame and and secrecy that can be attached to it. That's right. That when you're a caretaker, you kind of can get sucked into that with your loved one in some ways if you're not careful. That's right. It becomes a secret that you feel like you have to carry, but is a really, really big secret and you don't want to 
you don't want to go out and gossip about anybody and you don't want to somehow undermine someone's character or reputation by talking sure. about it. But you do want to find people that are confidential mm. who can bear your burden as you bear the burden of someone else sure. who's thinking about suicide. And that requires discernment. You can't you can't talk about this to just any old friend. It really does require thinking through who might be able to handle this well so this doesn't end up on the church prayer chain list. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, and we've got a prayer chain for people who have surgeries and whatever, and those are very helpful. Mm. But if you were to put on the prayer chain, hey, this person's child was thinking about suicide, that would cause a lot of looks and kind of weird responses. So you want to make this something a little more discerning and probably a little bit more private. At the same time, not fall into the trap of making it so private that you are bearing it alone. Sure. So if I hear what you're saying correctly, it's you want to be careful about taking seriously your need for care, but operate within that care that your loved one, as long as you're caring for them, they may have seasons of crisis, but they're not characterized by that crisis. And so maybe we should be thoughtful in who we invite into that sort of crisis moment. That's right. And there are going to be all kinds of reasons that someone can bear your burden with you in this and other people can't. Somebody who themselves has been touched by suicide might be a really good partner because they know what it's like. Mm -hmm. But then again, they may not be a very good partner because maybe they've got some unprocessed, undealt with pieces that haven't yet got to the gospel, have not yet got to the cross and unburdened themselves. Mm. And therefore, you're really just going to suck each other down. And then there are other people that we all have besetting sins, all of us, sure, right? And for some people, one of their besetting sins is gossip. It just is. Mm. And for people for whom besetting their besetting sin is gossip, they're probably not the person to bear this particular burden with you because it's likely to get out in ways and to people to whom you wouldn't want it to get out. Sure. Right? So when we think about people, we think about people under two categories, professional people and what I call personal people. Sure. Now, that second category doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. <laughs> All, That's okay, though. All people are personal. We'll get there. Right. But I'm a, I'm, I'm a Presbyterian, so I have to alliterate, and my little wee Presbyterian mind couldn't come up with a different good alliteration. Your wee Presbyterian mind. My wee little Presbyterian brain. You couldn't have said your petite Presbyterian mind. Oh, that's so much better. <laughs> okay, so professional people, personal people. We were just talking about the category of personal people. By personal people, I mean people who you have a personal connection with. Mm. This is going to be friends, and this is going to be family, people that you know and have the ability to check in with you in a more unstructured way. Mm. When you go to professional people, let's say it's a counselor, a pastor, a doctor, they're going to be able to come alongside you for that 30 minutes or hour and Mm -hmm. ask you very specific, helpful questions and give you very specific, helpful things to do. Sure. If it is scripture, if it is psychopharmacology, if it is some sort of therapeutic intervention, very specific things. Mm -hmm. But they're not the people that you're going to be able to contact at 9 o'clock at night when you're struggling with whatever, and you can just send a text to. Mm. So you need people that can come alongside you and bear your burden as you're bearing the burden of someone else who consistently struggles with suicidal ideation. That Mm. is a heavy, heavy burden. You don't want to be alone in that. Yeah. So personal people are people in your own life that you can invite into the struggle Mm -hmm. who you trust 
in order that they might be able to bear this burden with you and be lifting you up. Sure. Then there's professional people. And by professional people, we need, we mean people who by training are able to aid you or your loved ones specifically. Sure. So again, just like the list that I just made, it's usually things like counselor slash therapist. Mm-hmm. Doctors could also be on there. Yeah. Doctor slash psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Pastor ministry director, Mm -hmm. those sort of roles where someone has had specific training on this Mm. right now. You know, some of our ministry directors, if Liz Cooper heard me put her in the role of this, she might, you know, freak out a little bit. (laughs) She's not had the training of someone like a counselor, but still, nonetheless, she's Mm -hmm. putting herself in a role where she is a ministry support person. Sure. So that's what we mean by professional people go ahead yeah and uh, that that's a that actually brings up a really good point is that there are certain i guess you could say there are classes of professional people who can handle the different aspects of the issue of suicidal ideation for yeah. the person struggling with it but also for the the caretaker who's got the loved one that's right and so where there's the social the social support element that a ministry director might have or the practical experience of i've seen people in our congregation who struggle with this or hey there was a family who struggled in this way i'll I'll talk to them see if they're okay with me connecting you to get you connected to someone more personal we can expect a a level of professionalism that that might be a little bit too one size for each of those people that are professionals you just mentioned but there's that just shows you the complexity and the varied nuance that they can bring to a situation and why you need such a a nuanced support structure right exactly you need many counselors, mm-hmm. but those counselors need to be skilled. They don't need to be happenstance. Sure. Right. The other thing is, is just like you said, you need to be thinking through not only how am I bringing these professional people and personal people to bear on the person I'm helping minister to. So sure. let's say it's my son, for example, mm-hmm. who are the people in my, in my son's life mm-hmm. that are professional people, personal people that can help support him through this. Sure. But I also need to be thinking about it for me. Yeah. So as a caretaker, do I need to be going and seeing a counselor? Mm. Do I need to be going and seeing a pastor? Mm. Do I need a psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist, whatever in my life to help bear my burdens Mm -hmm. as I'm helping to bear this? Because again, it is an incredible weight and it will swamp you if you're too secluded in this. Yeah. That's that's definitely powerful. Yeah. And then the other thing that I would say is here's another temptation that we as Christians have mm-hmm. when it comes to professional people. Sure. And that is is that we want nothing but Christian professional people. Yeah. That's not very realistic, though. It's not realistic. So mm-hmm. let's take this out of the realm of someone who's dealing with suicide for a second. Mm-hmm. If my wife has something wrong with her heart mm-hmm. that might be fatal— And I am given two options, someone just out of med school who is a Christian or a guy who has 30 years and is one of the world-renowned experts in whatever problem she has but is a pagan. You know who I'm going to go to? You're going to go to that pagan. I'm going to the pagan. (laughs) Exactly. Because I need this person's expertise Mm. in order to help my wife and guarantee that she's going to be around for me and for my children. 
yeah. right, in order that she might do her ministry in our first church, our family. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that shows you that you're not going to them to, to tell you that the, about the spiritual condition of your loved one. That's right. And there's even a distinction theologically we rest that upon in some ways of general revelation and special revelation. There's a whole realm of truth and knowledge that's available to these experts, this 30-year experienced pagan right. that God in his mercy has made available to them that's that right. because of their expertise, it's okay that we rely on them in. That's right. And so in this instance, sometimes there are people special care groups Mm -hmm. or in treatment facilities that are not explicitly Christian. Now, I would love if there were explicitly Christian places for us to send people locally Mm -hmm. who struggle with suicidal ideation, and there just aren't. Yeah. And so oftentimes what we have to do is we have to use professional resources that aren't explicitly Christian and then augment them with mm. explicitly Christian resources. Absolutely. So if someone's intensely struggling with suicide ideation, I may have to put them in treatment somewhere for a small period of time, three days, seven days, 10 days, whatever it is, usually in a secular setting. And then as they come out, I'm going to immediately try to plug them into a Christian counselor sure. so that whatever immediate tools that they've been given by that therapist, they can then bring together with the long-term help that only the Holy Spirit can give through the gospel. Absolutely. So as we think about professional people, we don't need to, out of hand, cast out people who aren't necessarily Christian. Sure. We want to be discerning. We don't want to send them to some place that says Christianity is a farce, Mm -hmm. right? Some place that would damage someone's Christian worldview. Absolutely. But at, at times, we just need professionals that are able to come alongside us who aren't explicitly Christian. That's right. And that that that's a really helpful distinction to make because it's it rests upon the fact that there's not going to be a perfect Christian counselor or experiential someone who can walk into this experience with you yeah. that's going to be on every corner. That's right. That's not something that we can actually hope for. That's right. There there may be Depending on where you're listening to this, and I don't know where and when and all that, sure. maybe there is a place that does psychiatric in-treatment from a Christian world and life view. Sure. And if that's your option, all day, every day, you take it. Absolutely. Right. But by and large, that is not going to be an option. Mm-hmm. And if it re- you need that for your person or even for yourself in the short, r- short run, or I mean, even long run, like go to a psychiatrist that... Sometimes we're lucky. Here we have a psychiatrist who is a Christian. She's a part of our Christian Counseling Center. She is fantastic. I love her to death. She does wonderful work. But, you know, I came from an area in Jackson where we did not have that. You didn't have an explicitly Christian psychiatrist that you Mm. can make a referral to. And that's going to be true for a lot of places. Maybe you or your loved one needs to talk to a psychiatrist in order to make it through this particular season well, right? Do that and augment it with good Christian counsel. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to our next P. Yep. Prayer. Prayer. That's right. So there is nothing and no one more powerful in the entire universe Mm. than God, and especially through his agent, the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so often we go to prayer last. We use prayer as if it's this break glass in case of emergency sort of thing. And no one ever checks our (laughs) prayer homework. Yeah. (laughs) 
doesn't. You know, like it, everything mm. else is usually checked by somebody somewhere. If it's our mm. work, if it's our relationships at home, relationships with one another. But no one's doing the how is your prayer life discussion. And so it's mm. really easy when we're under strain to allow prayer to fall off. Mm-hmm. And we only use it when we feel like we're out of options. And it's because our circumstances, like what we're talking about, seem to, there's a very reasonable sort of reaction that we have of like, I don't have time to just sit and pray. I need to go act. I got to figure something out. I got to call like 12 people right. because there's not a Christian psychiatrist around the corner. Now I have to figure out what's going on with my loved one and myself as well. But yeah. it's helpful to remember that in those moments, what we need is not self-sufficiency. We, we need the pause that a, a season of prayer would provide and a practice of it in our lives as well. That's right. And so you need to just remind yourself, Mm -hmm. am I praying about this as much as I'm talking about it? Am I praying about it as much as I'm thinking about it? Mm. Sometimes those prayers are lengthy, heartfelt tears, you know, pounding on your chest, just pouring out where you are to the Lord. Sometimes they're little five-second arrow prayers. Dear Lord, Mm. please help me to make it through this day. Mm. That's a valid prayer. Sometimes it's not understandable, mm. right? That's Romans 8, yeah. um, that the Holy Spirit intervenes for us with groans too deep for words, mm. right? And I love Derek on this where he talks about the Holy Spirit intervenes for us and prays as we ought to pray had we known what we should have known. Mm. Mm. And so, you know, it's it's not a shame sort of thing. You you want to see a Christian feel shamed real quickly, ask how their prayer life is going. Yeah. It's very rare that you find someone, a Christian who loves the Lord, goes, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> My prayer life is awesome. You we know? don't typically think to, to, to brag, I guess you could no. say, about our prayer life. No. Well, and, and most people, their immediate response is, man, I should be praying more. Yeah. Even if you're praying quite a lot, man, I should be praying more and there's more people for whom I could pray, more circumstances, more adoration that I could give to the Lord, more Mm. thankfulness. I mean, if you stop thinking about it, we could spend our entire life in prayer. I mean, Paul does say pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean literally never stop praying, but it's Mm -hmm. a life that's constantly filled with prayer. Uh, My point is only, even though we're saying pray, don't let Satan get into the details and make you feel ashamed because you're not praying enough. Mm. Just take the moment to go and pray. Yeah. doesn't matter if it's that five-second arrow prayer or the 50-minute tears and pleading and begging sort of prayer. Hmm. Be there praying. And then also get people to contract with you or sign up with you that they will be praying for you. Yeah, these are your persons of your personal nature in your network who are helping support you as a caregiver and your loved one. You could have said personal people, but I appreciate <laughs> the fact that you didn't say that. But yes, it's it's those people that you're going to have praying for you. And it really, I cannot tell you how many times when I'm going through something difficult and because we have a good, loving congregation here and they come up to me all the time and tell me, I'm praying for you. And it's like, I feel that. Yeah. I, I can't even describe it to you, but I feel it. Mm. Knowing that you're praying for me sustains me at times when I feel absolutely empty. Mm. And so having others that are out there praying for you and praying for your loved one, again, yeah. people that are confidential that you can trust, that know how to go to the Lord for you, those prayer warrior people in your life, man, mm. it is, there, there's nothing more powerful or stronger than that. No matter what else you get and good, right, helpful stuff from professional people, 
it will never be more effective than prayer. Okay. Yeah, that's I right. I can guarantee that. Yeah. And it's, it's though prayer does not innately work in a very showy way yeah. where you can innately sense what's about to happen. Right. The fact is, is that it is the most powerful means by which our God works. Right. But so we've got people, yep. prayer, and then presence. Presence. That's right. So by presence, I mean you want to show up in the person's life and you want other people to show up in your life. Mm. So you want to be present in the person's life to whom you are supporting, and mm-hmm. you want to be present in their life to the degree that your relationship warrants. Hmm. Okay, So some yeah. people, when someone comes under crisis, especially if that crisis is known, a lot of people want to rush in, especially people who kind of only barely know someone, like, how can I be doing something for you? Well, the truth is, is that you kind of barely know them. And so your ability to walk in and know some of the intimate details and to bear some of the intimate burdens is probably pretty limited. Hmm. So you want to do what is appropriate for that level of knowledge and relationship. Bring a meal, you know, hmm. let them know I'm praying for you, whatever. But if you are that person's best friend, you want to be checking on them regularly, not withdraw. You want to really push in to bear that burden with them. If you are a person's loved one, like a parent, Hmm. brother, sister, with someone who's struggling with suicidal ideation, to the degree that you guys were intimate before, you want to continue that intimacy and bear this along with them. Sure. That said, you also want people doing likewise for you. So Hmm. you want presence in your life. And this goes to that, hey, don't be alone Mm -hmm. sort of principle. Yeah. Which is not not only do you want like the people in your life, I want professional people and personal people, I want the consistent presence of those people. Don't mm. just go once and show up and say, let's talk about this, and then you never talk about it again. Yeah, There needs to be people who have consistency mm. and their ability to talk about this and to bear your burden with this. Or otherwise, what you're going to learn is people are inconsistent, they can't handle it, and so I should just keep this all to myself. Yeah, and I think that actually brings out a really helpful distinction about the way that we tend to perceive help in crisis situations of what's needed. And this is not to downplay the heart of people in any way, shape, or form that are like, hey, let me watch your kids. Let me... Let me bring you a meal. Let me do this and get a meal sign up going for you through through a church or something like that. Right. But, But in genuine crisis situations that are longer than just my loved one. Right threatened to take their life again last night. And it's, oh, this is the 12th time of this happening. Right. And, oh, they've been committed again. The The character of the help has to persevere through moments of, of extremity with, without any certainty that there's resolution coming. That's right. And that's the hardest part to, to help train and even to help build into. That's correct. I mean, everybody can sign up for a six weeks or three months and it's over sort of regimen. Sure. Which is why medical diagnoses can sometimes be easier yeah. to bear with mm-hmm. than something like a psychological long-term thing like major depression, eating disorder, bipolar, suicidal ideation, because there's not a consistent like three months from now and we're going to be better, or six months from now and we're going to be better, and this isn't going to come back. Mm. Instead, it can be an up and down and a very long-term sort of deal. Yeah. And that's tough, but that's where you need community. That's Mm. where you genuinely need those networks of support around you that can just long-term it with you. The average length of church membership, not here, 
but in general is about two, two and a half years. And that's Ooh. because of how mobile of a society yeah. we are. Man. Right. And when you're when you're moving and changing every two to two and a half years, you're just shucking. It, it takes six months to 12 months for you to even connect with people in a way that they could bear your burdens. And then a year to a year and a half later, you're burning those and moving on to something else. That's really tough. Mm. You need some stability and some community in your life that can bear things with you so that should you run into something like this, you've got the support network to make it through and not feel alone. Mm. Absolutely. Well, Josh, thanks so much for being willing to talk with us through these three Ps. It's actually been incredibly helpful to me as someone who hasn't dealt much with this uh, issue in terms of caretakers who need care. But those three Ps, people, prayer, and presence, I think are a huge help as we think about how we care for uh, our, our our caretakers of loved ones who are struggling with suicidal ideation, but also our, our loved ones who are struggling with suicidal ideation as well. And it brings up one more question, but I think for the sake of time on this episode, it might be worth it for us to devote another another episode briefly to the last question I have. And, and um, let, let me just say what will we'll be. All of this makes makes me think as guys who are counselors who are trying to care for people in our congregation, you know, the reality is is that there are many pastors and even elders who, who come face-to-face with these realities in their congregation who, who need to be thinking about how can they maintain a sensitive eye towards those both struggling with suicidal ideation but also the caretakers particularly because they're actually going to be an incredible resource for the caretakers as long-term officers. Um, and so I'd, I'd like to ask your opinion on that next episode, but let me wrap us up here by saying, if you are a loved one as someone who is also struggling with this phenomenon of suicidal thinking in their lives or struggling with suicide in some episode, in some sort of, uh, capacity, I want to encourage you, you know, you can reach out to Josh Squires or myself here at the church, uh, Jay Squires at firstpresscolumbia.org or Jay Adair at firstpresscolumbia.org. And you can also, uh, if you're actually listening to this and you're getting close to an episode where you might uh, be tempted to take your own life, we would encourage you to reach out the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 800-273-8255. And then for if, if you're a caretaker or, or uh, just someone who's also struggling, please feel free to reach out to us here um, or to reach out to our First Presbyterian Church Counseling Center if you're local to the Columbia area. We hope that this ministry will continue to be a blessing to you, and we hope that you'll join us again next time for our next episode in this series on this difficult topic of suicide as we wrap up what it means to help caretakers uh, from a church officer perspective think about taking care of their loved ones struggling with suicide. Until then, God bless.